you did some homework uh, on the website. John did some homework. I did some homework. It's about damn time. What do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> you don't talk about that? Slack? You just call me a slacker? Yeah. I am a slacker. I'm excited. We finally we got a Slack channel up that consists of you and I right now. Right. <laughs> it's lonely. And I don't like talking to you that much. Did so. you see what I messaged you earlier on it a minute ago? A minute ago? No, yeah. I actually had my slack off because I was doing oh. other things. I was just wondering uh, who would be the third member to join. The third member. Yeah. So the, the yeah. Any uh, guesses? Well, that's a bit unfair because the way this is going to work is you have to submit us your email address so we can invite you because there's no kind of auto sign up feature. Right. So then it becomes, it's, it's unfair to say, oh, who's going to be the third person because... I, I guess it timestamps who requested it, and as long as I go by timestamp, then then it's official, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. Not that there's any prizes or anything associated with it. <laughs> yeah, you don't win anything. <laughs> Bragging rights, right? It's uh, you get to you get to be the person on the comment blog that goes first. Yeah, you can have the just the pride of knowing that you were first. that's that's all that should be required. Let's talk about Slack a little bit because um, so we talked about setting up this Slack channel, kind of basically creating a community out of it for people to kind of come and talk to us. And now, shall I be recording? I thought we were. We are. Oh. <laughs> so we were talking about Slack, and we we talked about having this kind of feedback mechanism. Um, the idea kind of was associated with some kind of live stream, wasn't it? Where are we at with that? I don't think we're anywhere with that because I don't know if we want to do that. The Slack, whoa, what the heck is that? Wow. It's a helicopter. Is that what it is? I think so. Oh my gosh. We're going to get more skydivers coming down our building? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're de- <clears throat> building stuff for Jerry World HQ or something. Right. Well, at least the leaf blowers are gone, finally, after about six hours of leaf blowing. <laughs> wow, what takes, why does it take so long to blow leaves off a of sidewalk, off a sidewalk parking lot? <laughs> it's ridiculous. You remind me of the dog on Up. Squirrel. Yeah. All right. So Slack. <laughs> For the third time. <laughs> uh, so we have a Slack channel. Good day, sir, Slack channel. All right. Is that it? No, I wanted to talk. I wanted to kind of debate this a little bit because I was of the opinion that maybe we have more than one channel, but you thought that might be too much to manage and that we should just have one general channel and add more as we need. I'm not saying we can't add more. Right. Or we can't add some. Just like, let's figure out what, let's use it and find out what people want to talk about and then we can add channels as needed. Yeah. So, unless so, you, th- you know, unless you th- can think of a great idea for just a no brainer right away. Uh, it just might be easier to organize <clears throat> thoughts like, you know, people who are who may want to suggest a topic to us or, you know, people who, or maybe it's just a general conversation that would go in general, but you know, I don't know. It's just a way to organize it. Um, so, I mean, that's something to think about as, um, as you start to get in your invite and you get into the channel is let us know how it's work, how, how it's, how it's working or how you want it organized or, you know, and it's open. Yeah. And it's, I, I, my, my thought is like big deal, whatever. It, we'll just know, have a conversation yeah, on Slack. Exactly. We're talking about, we're talking too much about our Slack. We need to just Slack. We need to Slack? Yes. All right. So how do you, how do you join? How do you get an invite to Slack? That's a good question. How do you? 
I don't know. You just did it. Okay. So you go to our website. Mm-hmm. What's our yep. URL? Okay. Gooddayserpodcast.com. Click on slash community. Okay. Or you can click on community. Yeah. And, and John built an awesome sign-up form. It's so awesome. <laughs> box and a button. <laughs> a box and a button. That's all you need. So, yeah, you'll have to submit, yeah. uh, and then we get an email, or John John gets some. I, he doesn't share these things. He doesn't let me come anywhere near anything to doing with the podcast. <laughs> I don't have access to anything. So, John send, will get something. I, I don't know what. <laughs> no, nah, I don't want to. No, you can have that. That's your work. I don't want more work. I know. So, you have so enough I'm, work with the audio. I'm fine with it. Mr. But anyway, John will get e- some kind of email and or Google spreadsheet you know, records or something, and just to know that you've requested, and then uh, you'll something manual has to happen. You have to go plug their email address in. Yeah, I'll have to go into Slack into the into the uh, team, right? And uh, invite. But I do mention that I, I, yeah. you know, once you post it, it will say you know it's hey, not maybe hey, patient. Hey, you know, maybe we need a bot <laughs> for this, John. A bot? Yeah. For what? I'd, I don't know. You can add, it'll automatically add people when they request. Mm. Uh, aren't bots the answer to everything now? The mm-hmm. new wave of enterprise computing? It is. Bots will, it used to be apps were going to rule the world. Now it's bots will rule the world. Yeah. Um, and then we'll all be living in the matrix. So yeah. So we need a, we need a bot. I saw um, a Salesforce related bot. And it was a Slack-related bot. It was a Salesforce Slack thing. No, oh, um, some Salesforce guy wrote, and it's um, <laughs> the screenshot he posted was in Slack. You can say, "What are my top opportunities?" And then just right there in the channel or whatever it lists goes to Salesforce. I guess pulls you know your I don't know however hmm. he defined that and lists your opportunities. But That's I'm pretty just, cool. you know, I well, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for a real application of this. This is not a useful interface to anything. What? Oh, just having to t- ask a question to Salesforce and getting some some version of the thing back that you can interact with and and you have to you damn well better know how to what questions can be asked and how to ask them because I mean, that's kind even of even people even people that have been at this for a long time like Google and Apple and Amazon, it still don't don't do a very good job of it. And they have a lot more smart people working on it than Salesforce does. I think you're referring to the fact that we all want um, Jarvis on our phones and what we get is something far, far more dumber. And for people that aren't (laughs) comic book nerds, that's a comic book reference that John just made. (laughs) We've all seen the Iron Man movies. (laughs) You can't avoid Iron We've, Man and the Avengers and, and anyone who's Captain worth in America. Anyone who's worth anything to John uh, has has seen that movie. If you haven't seen it, then you're no one. Hey, I'll buy your movie. You don't ticket exist. <laughs> just to have company around me while I nerd out. Yeah, these bots. You, you don't seem to be a fan of the bots. I just haven't seen a good use of it. Hmm. I mean, I guess it's. I don't know. It's, it's a it's a little toy right now. I read a, little, read a little bit more about the Salesforce thing with Facebook mes- Messenger. Have you read anything on that? I haven't. So I guess Facebook Messenger is adding a new capability that allows companies to implement bots in Messenger. Mm-hmm. And since, you know, some ridiculous number of people, was it 
900 million or something. I don't know what the number is. Use Facebook Messenger, which by the way, you shouldn't. It's a terrible product and it's, it's just creepy as hell. I don't know if that's indicative of usage. I mean, it, they took they took like messaging or chatting out of Facebook and into this app. Well, yeah, because so they're trying you, to make so you, it its own. So you had to have this app. So right. everyone pretty much just had to have this app, even though it's not really a daily use. They want to compete with everything from... What's the big one? It's like South America and all, all over the world. Um, it's not WeChat, although that's that's China, right? Um, I don't think it's Snapchat oh, or something. No, 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 no. Well, I think they want to compete with them too. But everything from that to Skype, mm. um, Apple, iMessage. What's the big one in... Uh, what, what's the one I'm thinking of? I don't know. Um, darn it. I'll probably know it if someone says it, but... Popular messaging app with millennials oh hmm. we care about that um whatsapp oh that yeah that one's got i think that's the that's the biggest one WhatsApp. you know yeah facebook they want they went in on that game so they broke out messenger as a separate app from facebook itself right but that's just creepy because Facebook already knows way too much about you. <laughs> Everything knows way too much about us. Super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear that? I think that's me, isn't it? I think so. Super in the background. creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you have it in for me today. <laughs> Someone was telling me. I'm getting really oh, self-conscious here. Glenn kept walks in the other day and he's like, Man, you're really giving John a hard time. I'm like, yeah, that's just what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> but he thought it, he said he thought it was funny. Oh, so they're just encouraging you? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. It's it's a <laughs> it's a non healthy feedback loop. <laughs> Don't encourage me. Oh, all right. Would we have any other business? Business? Uh, I thought I did, but now I lost that thought. So I guess it wasn't that important. So I've read that Texas has received 6.5 trillion gallons of rain in 24 hours. I think that was last week when Houston flooded. There's parts of Houston, like I think just north of Houston, that got 17 inches in an hour. Wow. I didn't know that was possible. What does that look like? 17 inches in an hour? Just solid sheet of rain or like a waterfall? I don't know. I guess it depends on where you're at on the drainage. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you better not be in any kind of... Um, I mean, if you're at the top of the hill, it looks like, right. yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. If you're at the bottom of the hill, it looks like I need a boat yeah. and a paddle. Yeah. I mean, people are like, you know, so, you know, I mean, there's been videos all over the internet of people, you know, like rescuing horses, just swimming in what looks like 20 foot water that used to be a road. Wow. We've got our fair share of weather here. We had, yeah. we didn't even talk about it last <clears> week, but no. we had, we had the huge hailstorm. Yep. I had to... Fortunately, it didn't affect you or I, but yeah, I don't I think, think so. Your yeah. your parents, family, my had parents some got slammed. With that. Yeah, I mean, just holes through the roof and then all the way in through the ceiling, and hail literally just coming into your That's house. That's what's crazy about it because it goes through the shingles, through the the wood, and then through your insulation, yep. and then through your sheetrock, yeah. and then into your living room. <laughs> That's and, a lot of momentum in their bedroom. Yeah. Well, these were some of these were up to like grapefruit sized hail. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Only in Texas. Well, not only in Texas, but we're known for our spring storms. Yeah. Ice and hail. Yep. All right, so no business? You you didn't you're not gonna remember? That's fine. 
Yeah, I guess not. It must. It really must not have been that important. So last week we talked about how I guess Salesforce was freezing Mark Benioff's pay increases due to shareholder dissatisfaction and mm-hmm. uprising. There's a related article that I found that talking about um, some bonuses he just got. And uh, let's see, he, he just, they, I guess Salesforce just announced their executive bonuses, cash awards, whatever. And he got a $2.3 million bonus, which is really, that's, that's his equivalent of pocket change. So I'm not sure why that's a big deal. I don't think it is, but a couple of interesting facts. So it's a big deal to me. I wouldn't mind a $2.3 million I know, bonus. No, I, yeah, exactly. But to him, I mean, he's, you know, I don't know. That's less than probably 10% of his annual pay, so. But he's Salesforce's biggest shareholder. We all knew that. Um, mm-hmm. Over forty million in shares. Um, but what's unusual about Benioff's pay is that the stock grants and options allow him to sell off huge chunks of stock at a machine gun pace and still remain the company's top shareholder. So you know how you see these. I don't know if you realize they're algorithmically generated, but they are news articles. I didn't at first until you I know, pointed out, exactly. and then <laughs> they, they happen such in such regularity that you're like, yeah. Well, and then if you read the article with that in mind. It almost reads like it's like a Mad Libs thing where you can tell they filled in a name and a and the stock right. price and the amount and and then it puts in like some blurb about the company that you can just tell it's all some kind of algorithm. But uh, yeah, so he sells off twelve and a half thousand shares in automatic pre-scheduled sales every couple of days, collecting it's about what current stock price that's around like a million. I think a little more than a million for each sale every couple of days. Mm. We really have to get that um, GoFundMe started for him. Yeah. yeah it's just, this is going to be tough. Um, since since January, he has sold chunks of stock, 60 chunks. It kind of makes it sound gross. No. Chunks of stock. <laughs> There's the title. Chunks of stock. 65 times. Dropping over $56 million in his pocket. <laughs> it's pretty nice, huh? Yeah. Uh, some shareholders have complained about the amount of money Salesforce spends on employee compensation, particularly Benioff's, especially because the 17-year-old company remains unprofitable and has never issued a dividend. And this gets where I mean, you can you can find a lot of discussion of people and people upset because they <laughs> these guys they really are enriching themselves to a ridiculous degree, considering that you know they've reached this large company size, but they're not giving anything to their share. They're not they're not the shareholders are, it's like there are no shareholders. Again, well, that's what, you know, Mark, yeah, that's the thing, I stakeholders, mean, right? He doesn't care about shareholders. It's just stakeholders. I can see the frustration there. Well, yeah, because they either want a dividend or they want, you know, and I mean, I guess, you know, the stock price has gone up. I mean, their their market cap is, you know, 50 billion, right? But right now, that 50 billion is predicated on really ridiculous performance over the next two or three years. Like they, they, they basically need to be at least within a couple of years, at least like a $20 billion company mm-hmm. with a, with like 10% net earnings in order to achieve a sustainable price to sales ratio. And it's, I don't, I, d- I don't see how that's, you know, I think we're, we're still in, we're definitely in a, a little bit of a tech bubble. You mean, that's been a theme that has you know, you've seen in the news and these analysts talk about and, you know, I think in some areas there's a bubble going on in some areas there's not. But yeah, I just tweeted a little bit earlier. I don't know if you saw this. 
um, there's an article in one of these, like maybe the San Francisco Chronicle, one, one of the kind of local papers about the Salesforce Tower. Again, and it's one of these, it, they're just kind of rehashing stuff we already knew, which is like every floor has got mindfulness zones and these, you know, giant, like biggest screens ever and just mm-hmm. all kinds of ridiculous stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, this, you know, no signs of a tech bubble here. Move, move along. Nothing to see. Nothing to see <laughs> yeah. here. No bubble to be found. Uh, okay. So wrapping this up, nearly 47% of shareholders voted against Salesforce's yeah, executive compensation last year. Yeah, we knew that. Yeah, yeah. More bonuses. I need to get on this bonus game. I should have gone the corporate route, John. Only if you only if you get up to the top. And and, and truly, you you know, sometimes you listen and you watch these guys and you're like, what? How did? How do you even get to the top? You build something and get bought, and then you get incorporated as a VP yeah, or director or something. I don't know. I, I mean, some of it's just, so much of it's just it's just nepotism, and you know your buds who you've worked with or who you know covered for you or you know who's helped you out. Yeah, maybe I won't be that cynical about it, but you don't think that happens? Oh, you think I, it's I'm just, sure it does. Yeah. I just like to hope it doesn't. No, oh, okay. Well, you can stay in that uh, fantasy <laughs> land. Hey, the world is great where I I'm. I feel at. like I have a clip for that. Um, fantasy land oh yeah <laughs> it's john's that's that's the it's, more it's a meritocracy it's the more you know uh, apparently you can talk to the you know the women at salesforce if you want to argue that it's a meritocracy the the ones who are underpaid and the men too not anymore they fixed that man but yeah oh, yeah case case closed case closed <laughs> done with that <clears throat> moving on speaking of moving on let's move on Salesforce is getting an email object, John. A what? An email object. An email object. Yeah. An actual, an actual, Salesforce is going to actually have support for email. Email is going to be a first class concept in Salesforce. It's not going to be like a type of task where the. Oh, (laughs) so it's not going to be. Okay, I see what you're saying. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Hey, you know, it only took 17 years and. Eight billion dollars in revenue to get there. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> email's tough, man. It's you know, you ever read the RFC eight twenty two or whatever it is? It is tough. It's tough. I don't like dealing with email. I, I want to deal with as little email as possible. That's why. That's why we do things like Slack and and all and Twitter and, and all these other things, just because we don't want to deal with email. What, what's worse about email? The technology itself, mm-hmm. and it's and the various implementations thereof, or the culture around email. Say the culture around email. It's 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 close, isn't it? Because I mean, they're both pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, email in in the right context in this modern day still has a function, but the culture around it being the primary function for all communication is a problem. Yeah. And look at how many. I mean, what type of application has m- more failed attempts at implementing than email apps, email clients? Just but like, there's been some really creative ideas lately, which I enjoy, including Google's Inbox, <clears throat> which I have switched to solely. Inbox, yeah, yeah. See, I haven't. I need to check it out. I'm. I finally. So I, I. I fired Mail.app a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I have. The problem is, I have several email accounts that I have to check for personal and business and various stuff. <clears throat> they all happen to be Gmail, which is actually nice. 
Um, you know, because Gmail has the multi-account thing, so right. you can yeah switch between you them. can switch back and forth. Unfortunately, that's kind of a pain. Yeah. So what I did was I used Fluid App for the Mac, which is a site-specific browser application, and it, so what those are is you can basically not, not to be confused with the the newest Fluid browser. Oh God, that's not confusing. Yeah, no, this is Fluid <laughs> App. Well, if you if you look at Fluid, it, that's kind of been trending a bit lately. In fact, I have it installed just to watch Netflix, but it that's kind of a thing right now. So, you know, hmm. Fluid is different from the Fluid app. Interesting. That, yeah. Well, maybe we can come back to that. You can tell us what this Fluid browser is because I've never heard of it. But so a, a, a site-specific browser is basically an application that you can set up to basically use one to go to one website automatically, and it shows up like an app on your computer. You can even give it a nice icon that mm. looks like the yep. site or whatever it is. So I set up Fluid to use Gmail. And I actually I actually created, because I have four email accounts that I have to check. And so I created four tabs in this instance of Fluid app, and I just called it Mail. Right. And I just configured it so that the tabs are persistent. So when you, when you close the app and relaunch it, all four of your tabs are there. And because the way Gmail handles, unlike Salesforce, handles multiple logins is you can actually stay logged into all of them because they're different URLs. Each one of your mail accounts is a different URL. Right. I read it. It reminds me. God, I'm just, I'm all about the tangents today. You are. <laughs> I, I read, I read a really in, uh, interesting blog post. I think it might've been on the Salesforce engineering blog or something. Just, they were talking about how they got that wrong. That's one thing, you know, cause as many things as, you know, you can get wrong with building a system like Salesforce and just starting with a very small, simple CRM system and building up to what it is now, you know, you're going to get tons of things wrong. They're basically things you can't fix. Um, and that was one of them. It's like, yeah, we got that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I'm not sure that he thinks that they got it wrong in the way that I do. I think what he was saying was the fact that you know which instance you're on, which pod you're in. I'm in NA1. I'm in NA22. I'm in whatever, SSL, org. What's that, org 53? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that you can see that and you know which one are in, you're in is kind of a like a leaky abstraction or just something you shouldn't shouldn't even be surfaceable. Well, I have noticed that Salesforce mm -hmm. is is recommending and pushing customers to create uh, uh, domain URLs. I've noticed that too. What is the... I think there's and some, some things required. Yeah, there's and some I, feature and I don't yeah. remember what it was, but but there's some feature that if you enable, you you have to have that. Maybe someone who's a good Salesforce consultant can chime in and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just write Apex, folks. You're not making us look good here. <laughs> And you say we're going to promote ourselves on this podcast, yeah. and then here we are going, oh, yeah, we I do, don't know, it's We do something. such a good job it's of just, promoting it's ourselves. something, you know. <laughs> we just know it's there. Uh, we, should, we should actually <laughs> talk about that. The fact that we, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so it, this, this using Fluid to check my four different mail accounts, each in a different tab, actually works really well. Better than I thought it would. Because you can, you can keyboard shortcut between the tabs. I can fly through, and, and this is also another tip, if I haven't made this one already. Enable the keyboard shortcuts in Gmail and l learn mm -hmm. at least the main ones. Yeah. You can fly through email. It is so fast. It's so much faster than a mail client. And, you know, the, the features that Gmail has that are specific to its proprietary web interface are just so good. It's such a good mail system. I mean, there's things about it that I could complain about. I think the UI is not great and there's other things, but I mean... Man, it's just such a better experience. And you're talking and about you, Gmail Classic or the Inbox? 
Gmail UI. Classic. Okay. Now, Inbox, I've kind of looked at. I have installed. So, but Inbox really comes it. in a couple of flavors. There's, there's an, ad, an official application for your device, for your mobile device. And I'll, 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 talk, right. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my setup because mine's a little bit different than yours. I took the approach as, you know, there's three major browsers out there. One of them I don't really use all that much, being Safari. So I made Safari my, my email client. Yeah. And what I did is I, I show the, the bookmark sidebar. I took everything out of it and only linked all of my accounts that I needed. Um, I did install a plugin that will monitor one of my inboxes. Unfortunately, it doesn't do multi-inboxes, but it'll at least monitor one of them. So I'll get a little icon showing how many unreads for my primary email inbox. Um, for notifications, I pretty much rely on my phone and my watch because it syncs notifications to there. So if I get an email, it comes up on those because I don't. It doesn't have for some reason some kind of notification system internally. That's I consider that a feature. And a lot of a, a lot of the tools that do say they'll provide notifications don't do it for multiple accounts. You have basically have one account that you can notify. Um, so basically, I have that sidebar, and I just click on the bookmark to to toggle through my email ad email accounts. I like Inbox a lot. I like the UI. There's a few quirks with it, um, but there's a few things that I really like about it. I like the ability to snooze and basically delay a message. I can just say, I don't want to deal with that right now. You know, show me later tonight or, you know, next week or this weekend or something. And it'll basically snooze the message and it'll just pop it back into your inbox when it when that time comes. Um, I can mark things as done, which is the same as archiving, or I can trash them. Um, the other thing that I really like is when you're sending messages, um, there's a bit of delay before it actually submits it. So you have a chance to actually undo that. Yeah. Um, that's just a Gmail thing, but. Yeah. But you can configure that time too, I think. Can you? Yeah, I think you can make it longer. I've actually made use of it a couple of times where I've I've been typing away, I hit the wrong key and it sends it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh crap. And I just click the undo, it's back. No one ever got it. And I just, I continue on. Yeah. But I, I like it. I, I like it a lot better than any of these other applications that have been written specifically to try to you know, fix all of this stuff. There's been some promising ones because, and you always jump on board with those in, in, in the, during the beta periods and everything. And, and betas, and I buy them and, and I, I give them great. a shot. They look great. They seem to have a really unique spin on how to do email. And then they just fade away. Yeah. Well, one of them that was bought by Drop, I think it was Mail App. Was yeah, Mailbox. Mailbox. Yeah. They shut that down, but that had some of the, the features that I like that's in Inbox now, which is like the ability to snooze messages and all those kind of things. So I was happy to see that in, in there. Yeah. Yeah, I should look at Inbox at some point. It's one of those things, though, that it's it's an abstraction. It's it's changing the con- it's kind of some of the concepts, and yeah. it's opinionated, and I feel like I need to understand what it's doing there before I... And it technically is a beta product, um, <clears> but... Well, I've it's, been, it's, a, it's a Google product, so it's obviously it's beta, oh, right? It's always in beta, <laughs> perpetual beta. I mean, so, but the thing is, Google's betas are much higher quality than most people's, you know, supposed yeah. release software. I won't name any names, but and and I do have, um, I do have some plugins that don't work with it, but you can actually configure it to where Google Classic is one of your menu options, so I can easily switch back to it. Use my plugin, like I use Evernote sometimes to clip email messages. And put it into Evernote, but it only works on the Google on the Gmail Classic interface. So I just switch to it, clip it, and then switch back. Yeah. So uh, if you have, if you have that same email problem I had, check out um, on the Mac Fluid app. See if you like getting your Gmail 
in a what looks like an app on your computer. You don't like Fluid? No. And there's also like, I know on Windows, there's a, I don't know what it's called. You can just Google Windows site-specific browser. I'm sure there's an app that does the same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't like Windows. So yes, I don't know you do. They got Bash now. You have to like them. I do like them better. I do like it better. I mean, is anyone making killer you know, P- Windows PC hardware, though? Hardware? Yeah. <clears throat> Gaming. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean killer in terms of, like, you know, enough power to launch you to the moon. I mean, in terms of the quality of the build, the des- the, the design of the build, or the design, I guess. Um so there's a company called Razer that tries to do that, and they're, yeah, they're, not they're basically they're not big enough. They're not That's big a, enough, but yeah. they're a gaming specific company. Like they make gaming machines, but they've also started this whole line of gaming notebooks. And you, a lo- there's a lot of similarities in their specs with the the MacBook <clears throat> Pro line. Yeah. One nice thing, about, just in general, about getting computers from a large company is they've it gets tested across so, and there's so many more users. It gets tested across so many more things. So you're like on the on Max, I mean, you're just so, it'd be so rare that you'd have like a driver problem or yeah, something, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just all built, like all the drivers and the updates for the hardware, it's all just built into the OS and, and just all this, they'd be able to just go into an Apple store and say, yeah, this is doing this weird thing. And they're like, oh, you need to replace your farfig nugan. And they take it back and swap it out and give you a lot of people would like, say nah. that for, if you don't want to tinker with your machines then fine go get that and but also, if you want real control and the ability to upgrade your machines nah, and all that kind of stuff all want, the time nope. i've done that i have to i've fallen I, out I'm of love with that i'm, I'm i used know. to be all about it now i'm like <laughs> i don't want to deal with that headache. i'm an old man now i don't, <laughs> I don't have time. you know how long have kids i know how long it takes me it takes you probably twice the amount of effort to research something before you buy it's, something it's, yeah it's it's a it's an infliction that i have an affliction that yeah. i have and then you multiply that by every component the motherboard the power supply, the, you know, the, the interface components, whatever those are, the ports, yeah. um, you know, oh, the CD, if you're going to do that, or it gets exponentially you, big, are you going to overclock <laughs> and you can do liquid cooling or something, right. you know, it's just, it gets up there. And oh, it, the other company I was thinking of is Alienware that was bought by Dell. Yeah. And if you do, if you take, um, like Lenovo or Dell or any of these guys, um, they're, or Intel, don't, don't they make laptops now? I don't know that they do or it, they make all the components and motherboards and well, things I, I thought they came out with a design maybe that was just the design it was basically like the macbook era of windows hmm. you remember that no i don't remember what it was called but anyway once you get up to something that's in the same category quality category as like the macbook line is in terms of on the windows side they're just as expensive as macs are people talk about the mac tax okay you find something that's built and designed this well, and it's going to be expensive. Yeah. And if you if you want a clunker, plastic, flexy piece of crap, that's fine. You can go buy one. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people you can get a you can get a decent Windows PC for like three hundred, four hundred bucks. That's fine. Um, at, Apple does not make those. So if that is the market you're in, then you will have to go to another vendor because Apple doesn't make that. They pretty much only make premium quality stuff. And I'm not saying they're infallible or that. They've never had crap Such products. A no, right that's now. what I'm saying. <laughs> but you still have to be careful about what you buy, and you still should understand, you know, what's good and what's not. But as far as laptops and heck, even phones and tablets and things, Apple just doesn't. They're not going to make a cheap, lower quality version, so they can. They they're completely. Except when they do and make the plastic <clears throat> version of yeah. the iPhone, they're completely okay with not even <laughs> capturing that part of the market. They're just they're okay. No, with No, they are. Go. They have to. 
especially in foreign markets where where they have to do that. They don't the, do that. They don't make the crap. They don't make CE crap products. or whatever it was. I mean, it's not. I'm saying it was crap. I mean, it was. Are you talking about the the new iPhone? The 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 iPhone five size phone. I'm talking about that phone's predecessors, where they basically took like the iPhone four. Oh, the five C, the color yeah, the, one. the C. There you go. Yeah, those. I don't think those were. Those weren't any less. No, but those were targeted well at built. a at a lower cost. I mean, for for those were targeted at a market that had a certain price point. It was also the older generation of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a it wasn't compromised quality. No, no. Or that's my argument anyway. No, okay. <clears throat> um, all right. You done with that? I'm done. I discovered something the other day. You know, we talking about developers and how it's getting kind of muddied. I found, and I came across this by accident, but apparently Gartner had a coined a term for that. They are called the citizen developer. Okay. Yeah. So citizen developer is a user who creates new business applications for consumption by others using development and runtime environments sanctioned by corporate IT. And it goes on, and that was just the first sentence, but it goes on to say that these applications are, are built non-traditionally and that you're not you typically coding. You're kind of like kind of like you are in Salesforce where you're kind of dragging and dropping. You're building data models using these tools and you're building business logic using these kind of visual tools. You're not technically sitting there coding and writing out, you know, script statements. But uh, yeah, apparently Gartner decided those are citizen developers. Hmm. Not sure I really get that. What? I actually have some Gartner news, which we could segue to. You know, you always got to, every time, I don't know, Gartner is one of these things. You, if you're a sizable company, it's just, it's a necessary evil. And they've got two sides or they've got probably, it's probably, that's probably an oversimplification, but they do have different divisions. And there's the division that, I don't know, to me kind of does like surface level reporting. You know, they're analysts. They have to spend a certain amount of time on the phone every day with, Talking to people who are supposedly like in their market, you know, IT managers or, or whatever, and they write these briefs and they do their, that's what they also, but they base their magic quadrants on is just talking to people, I guess, interviews or whatever. Um, <laughs> but they have this category called AIM, A-I-M. And it's, and, I, and again, I don't follow this stuff. I'm not a Gartner subscriber, but it's, uh, I used to be actually the company I worked for. You probably did too. But it's uh, application infrastructure and middleware. And the reason this hit my newsfeed is because Salesforce is the leader of this, of this uh, quadrant or whatever this is. And so the, the, the lead is if you buy into the IBM and Oracle PR that they are cloud leaders and are successfully transitioning their on premise. On-prem, sorry, on-prem. It's like delish. <laughs> you can't pronounce all the damn word. Uh, That's just one letter. I, yeah. I mean, what are you doing with all that time you just saved, right? By taking the last syllable off your sen- of your oh, every syllable. other That's word. That's what I mean. Yeah. Not letter, syllable, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So they're basically saying that um, these, these on-premise guys are not uh, transitioning to the degree that maybe people like to think or whatever. But anyway, well, here's what interesting thing. Uh, there is one rising star in AIM, A-I-M, and it's Salesforce. Thanks to the fact that Gartner now counts integration and application platform as a service in their broader AIM market. 
I mean, they literally changed what this word, what this term means, what it includes, so it would put Salesforce at the top. That's what happens when you pay your Gartner bill on time. That's what happens when you have Benioff. <laughs> See, that's why he needs the security. Yeah, exactly. We, we can't we can't lose him, man. Next thing you know, Gartner's going to adopt the one 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 model. Oh, they already have. You know, I saw. <laughs> I'm sure. There's people that are um, kind of sharking or creeping up on Benioff's territory here. I saw there's, it might even be bigger than the 111 campaign. It was called the, um, the, was it Play One or Pay One or something like that? It's another like donate 1% type of model that some other set of companies are are pushing. Hmm. Uh, That's going to be another war we can watch (laughs) unfold. Why, one, one, one. Why can't it be two, two, two? I don't know. Or three, no. three, three. Well, there's. <laughs> you can go look. There's a lot of companies that are a hell of a lot more th- philanthropic, philanthropic than Salesforce is. Although they don't go around running their mouth about it constantly and threatening other Silicon Valley companies to expose them if they don't jump on board with a specific brand of philanthropy. Yeah, there's companies, big companies that are giving that have big profits that give like three to five percent uh, to charity of their profits. It's weird though, because I always think. How much? I'm, what's our percentage? Speaking of which, Mister Swearjar, you you you've racked up quite a bill here. Well, <clears throat> it's um, I have. Yeah, I'm swearing. <laughs> what have I been doing? All your little ticks. You're up to eight oh, ticks right now. What am now. I doing? What am I saying? Uh, you were rubbing your beard. You were <laughs> using words incorrectly, stuttering. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, you're getting the picky. list goes on. This is, Most of those you told me to click. No, oh, dang it. Anyway. Oh, our percentage. Well, we don't, it's incalculable because we have, it's kind of like Salesforce. We just, we have perpetual losses. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a money-making operation. So <laughs> yeah, we, we get, now you hear the Good Days Here podcast. We, we get, we pledge to give 10% of our profits to charity. How about that? What if we make money one day? <laughs> we gotta give 10% away. The idea is to be cashed out and, and extremely rich by then. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Back to this thing. Salesforce, a.k.a. the CRM as a service shop. CRM as a service. That's a thing. <laughs> Everything's as a service. I, exactly. Uh, saw a 30%, 36% growth in revenue to $1 billion. So their Salesforce's AIM, A-I-M, right? This, what does it stand for? I'll never remember this. A- um, application, infrastructure, and middleware. Their aim has grown to $1 billion, putting it just behind Microsoft. And my question to you, John, I have a, I need a John question jingle. This is my question to you. Because I read Salesforce's financials and how they break things off and I, and how they split things out. And I know that they, things they don't want to split out, they don't split out. In fact, even like things like Heroku doesn't get fully split out. You know, do, we actually don't know. Do you not have a life that you just sit there and read That's, Salesforce financials? You're exactly right. I don't have a life. Therefore, I read, I sit around and read companies <laughs> financials. That is <laughs> so what I do. <laughs> so, okay. So Salesforce hit the 1 billion in I-pass and A-pass. But how do we know? How do we know that? Because Salesforce doesn't break that out. Well, the question, uh, the answer is, don't you worry about it. Just shut up about that and just uh, deal, you know, accept the fact that Salesforce is a... Uh, Leader in that quadrant. <laughs> I take it that question was rhetorical. If you have an answer for me, I'd love to know what it is. It's not rhetorical. It's very sincere. Well, if they don't break it out, there's no way to answer it. I mean, how does Gartner know this? 
And what is in Salesforce's aim? What is in their IPaaS and APaaS? They definitely don't break out force.com. I mean, they, 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 their other category includes Heroku. Um, so they have application. That's the, that's the sales. That's the force.com platform. They have infrastructure. That's, that's, um, no, they don't sell infrastructure. Yeah, they do. They no, have they super pods. Does that exist? It exists. I, I, I just, I don't know of a single company that's ever used one. You just don't rank up there to. You just don't rank up there, man. Uh, can you that, name that's one? That's upper echelon no, I'm, elite. No, I'm saying I don't know of one. I'm not saying I That's don't. elite level yeah. d- Salesforce dev. So big that you, it's like a black <laughs> hole. You, you can't know it exists or something. You got to be one of the big guys to be on, yeah. be on those pods. And then, and then middleware, I mean, we've got Connect. We've got, you could, what, what would Heroku fall under? Well, Salesforce category in their financial statements puts Heroku in the, uh, it's like an other category that it includes Heroku and a few other things. So, I, yeah, I don't know where uh, they're getting that number plausible. from. plausible. <clears throat> right? What's plausible? That they're the leader in it. I mean, I, there's other companies but, that might be doing a piece I'm not, of I'm that I'm not saying they're better. not the leader. I'm saying, how does Gartner know that they're the leader? Because Salesforce doesn't release that information. Like you said, they talk to people. <laughs> I guess so. They go to Dreamforce and everyone goes, yeah, Salesforce rules. And yeah. And then they take some trailheads and they go, yeah, this is working. Right. Go Dreamforce. Speaking of trailhead, <laughs> I'm going to segue. Okay. I'm tired of talking about this. There's a developer conference. Hey, John, John, There's a new, remember how we've, but, been, we've been saying, Dreamforce is getting too big. It'd be nice if they split off the developer conference. It looks like they might be trying to do that. That's good because. San Francisco is a horrible, horrible place. <laughs> now, I don't have any information on this. On the MVP side, we there was a kind of poll of if hypothetically we were going to start some kind of developer conference, you know, what should we call it? And they gave us a bunch of lists of names to vote on, and we voted, and they were all kind of cheesy marketing stuff. But then someone, uh, I forgot who, and I should be more prepared, recommended Trailhead DX. I think it's actually Trailhead X because they didn't. There's no double D. It's just Trailhead DX. Hmm. Trailhead X. Now, at first I was kind of, that's kind of lame. You latched onto that really quickly. And before I knew it, there was a landing page for it. And that's what started the thing. Because someone had pinged me on Twitter saying, hey, have you heard about the developer console? I was like, no, what are you talking about? And then it turns out that they actually took that name and they actually quickly built a landing page for it. So it actually is something you can actually put, go to, go to like, uh, what is the link? I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put the the link in the show notes, but you can actually go to register to get more information. Basically, just put your email in and they'll email you once there's more information. There actually is no information okay, just so yet on let it. Let me back, back up a little bit because I'm not sure I've followed all this. So Salesforce is going to have a developer conference? That's what you're saying? I believe so, and I believe it'll be in San Francisco, so it'll be a very <sighs> developer-specific event. God, are you serious? But it'll be half the audience, right? anyone thinking of traveling to San Francisco as a tourist thing, don't do it. Yeah, stay away. <laughs> Go some places. Place stay is away. falling apart. It's a terrible, terrible city. It'll be half the audience. I think we'll be able to go. Will, will they have... Uh, Docker lightweight containers. I am... If, if not, I will bring Docker lightweight containers. Yeah. I'll pack up my suitcase. <clears throat> so, I don't know. What do you think? If there's... If, if this That does, could be good. We should um, go, right? Uh, yeah. I mean... Because, again, Dreamforce is, well, I don't know. I wish they would, I, you know, the thing is, I, I don't even know why I asked for this, because I know Benioff wants to be the king of San Francisco. 
but I would love for them to do stuff in, and I don't mean just these, uh, what do they call them? Tours or whatever. Those are cool. I mean, you know, but I don't know. Just consider some city other than San Francisco because it's just, just really not set up for it. And some people don't want to have to walk over poop and stuff all the time just to <laughs> get from, from their conference or from their hotel to the conference room. Well, I think you answered yourself. The world tours are kind of that. The world tours are, are very much Dreamforce-like. They, they put on just as big of a show and they do, they do, they do do announcements at those events. Uh, there's world tours leading up to Dreamforce where they actually made significant announcements, and even afterwards, they were continuing to make significant. I cannot talk. <laughs> significant <laughs> announcements. <laughs> Have some more of that drink there; that'll help. <laughs> what? It's green tea. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that's what I meant. Yeah, not that other one. <laughs> green tea now comes in a <laughs> exactly in a glass bottle with a cork. <laughs> I have both. I'm pacing. I have both. You're pacing your green tea consumption. Right? I am. You don't want to get too much green tea, <laughs> too much, uh, too many antioxidants up there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I was excited to hear about a developer conference. I, I think it'd be something that is plausible for you and I to attend, whereas Dreamforce is kind of just, implausible because it's just so big. It's a big expense. So many people. And, and honestly, the, the target market isn't developers even though there's a big developer presence there and there's plenty of things for us to do there i mean it's still very much in a sales conference engineered for admins and all those kind of things and i and not to knock admins i'm just saying that it'd be nice to have a very focused conference for developers um yeah i agree i mean the the one thing that makes me want to go to dreamforce is that's when you that's your chance once a year to see people right yeah yeah um, and if there's some particular person or a couple that you really want to see, I mean, you can you can arrange that, and that and while you're there. But Dreamforce is so big that all of the all the people that may aren't on your super short list of I gotta see this person that you still want to see, mm-hmm. you're not going to see most of them anymore. It's just there's just too many people there, and it's it's spread well, out. Yeah, and, I mean, it's tougher to meet people. It's tougher to find a place to <clears> just kind of sit and relax and just have a conversation. I mean, you end up kind of spreading out further and further into the city just to to find a space, right? And so, the, I guess my point is the benefit of going to a Dreamforce because everyone's there is, is now starts to get watered down by the fact that so many people are there, and it's I'm I almost just give up on that. It's like, well, I don't know, I give up. Yeah, but I mean. Uh, ideally, at least in my head, the developer conference might cut the audience in half and we might get more. Oh, probably way less than that. I mean, you're talking, I mean, I'm just throwing out a number, but maybe 10% of the size of Dreamforce. Remember, there's like 3 million Two, Salesforce developers. That's true. I forgot. They got to fit in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, all kidding aside, I mean, I, I think the audience would be smaller, but even then the, the types of sessions and things that potentially could be presented would be much more focused to that. The type of tooling and and application vendors that we'd see probably would be more geared to us, which means we'd probably have a better chance at... Whoa, sorry, that was a misfire. All right, let's get this back on the track like the professionals do it. All right, you ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> that was effective. <laughs> We're such pros. <sighs> breathe in, breathe out, mindfulness. Yoga. Yeah. Namaste. Go to your happy place, John. There you go. Whiskey. Too bad we don't have a mindfulness area on this floor. We should. I can't wait till Salesforce builds our tower. What? I'm going to go up there and hang out. What is a mindfulness area? Is that is that like a kitchen with some extra cool looking chairs and, and funky wallpaper? A kitchen? Yeah. 
Why would it be a kitchen? Because it's like just... Mindfulness does not involve food. Listen, because you take what was going to be the kitchen anyway, you slap a couple of cool little hangy-down art things, and you call it a mindfulness area, and you claim victory, and you get articles written. Hey, if we had a mindfulness area, I'd sit there and meditate. Would you? Yeah. Sometimes I need to get away from technology. It's around me all the time. My, my dream vacation is middle of nowhere. No reception, no nothing. Just a tent, a fire, maybe some food. That's I think you should get your boy in the Boy Scouts then. That's probably only, happening. The only downside of that, which and I couldn't handle it, people are so dorky. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Can't you tried it. that, didn't you? I did try it and yeah. I just couldn't do it. All right, back on track. Well, all right. So, okay, develop, Salesforce developer. So that'll be interesting. Is that a, was this an MVP thing you were saying that you guys had a meeting? No, so it was just some random thing that we got that said, hey, if, we, if hypothetically we were going to do this, what would we call it? And I was thinking, okay, well, maybe they're, they're thinking about doing this and they're going to set this up and maybe in a year or so we'll see it. All of a sudden there's like this landing page and I was like, uh, hey guys, I just wanted to ask if we have any information to share. And, and they said, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks we might, we might, you know, start talking about it more. But so there's really no information on it right now. It's, it's kind of a, you look like you're about to sneeze. Yeah, coming close. <laughs> Weird face. <clears throat> But yeah, there's really no information, but, you know, I think it's, I want to say it's like the Salesforce developer URL slash trailhead DX, I think is the URL, but I'll put it in the show notes and you guys can go and enter your email address <clears> so you can be, be sure to be notified when something comes up. That's all I know. Mm. <clears throat> well, let's get to these clips you have. We are, did you say, we don't have our timer. Where's our timer, John? Oh, that was the other thing that I was thinking of that was business related. That, that I said was not so important. And that was, we timed ourselves. We, we kept it really short, as short as we <laughs> normally do. And we actually got a few feedback saying, that was too short. Really? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. I think people, I, I've noticed that people tend to, are they okay with a longer, because it's a podcast, it's got a pause button. Right. So I'm not worried about time. Yeah. We are what we are. Yeah. We talk. Well, I'm worried about my time. That's the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, your time doesn't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. doesn't matter. My time is valuable. Oh, your of time, course, man, of care. course. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, should we get to your other topics that have clips and fun stuff? Oh yeah. You notice my outfit, my shirt. I do. I wore this intently. Okay. Because you know what? I feel like I feel like I need to rock. Is our is my sound effect outdated? That was your cue. Oh, time to rock. It's uh, time okay. to rock. All right, let's rock. Let's see. Hopefully this plays from the right speaker. I want to rock! Wow. Nice video. <laughs> yeah, professional fade. There we go. No, no, no. <laughs> that was my way of introducing Squid's Rockaway release. Coming wow. Up. So no more. Bonsai! Now, Bonsai's old school, okay, man. So I'm, we're going to put, I want to put, I want to rock on the soundboard. Now, then. now, now it's time to rock the way we want to <clears> rock. <throat> Our way. Is that, is that the <laughs> catchphrase? <laughs> the release is called Rockaway. This is a fun name. Rockaway? Rockaway. Okay. Um, any good stuff in it? So you are you still doing a lot of squid? I am still doing a lot of squid. In fact, I've been doing a lot of 
Lightning slash Squid. So Squid came out with their Lightning theme in their last release. And it was okay. They basically took the modern theme and applied some Lightning styling to it. Um, But it was nowhere near comprehensive, which which is understandable. I mean, it's basically just layering a theme on top of their existing component. Did they use the Lightning design system? They did not. They did not. However, I... (laughs) <laughs> to my own detriment, have picked apart the Lightning design system and started incorporating some of that into my designs because my client has decided they like the Lightning theme, but they like Squid better than Salesforce Lightning. Which why, is why is, the, is that a dilemma there? Is uh, it? There's, it's one of those things where Lightning has some good aspects to it, and they like the styling and the minimalist and, and all those kind of things, but it doesn't have everything they need, first of all. And two, it tends to be a little click heavy still to this day. Lightning? Yeah. I mean, if you go to edit a record, you get this tiny little pop-up window and you have to scroll to get now, to you all your fields. You told me people need to change the way they work. That's what you told me about that. They do. That doesn't mean, that, doesn't mean that every decision they made was perfect. Because millennials don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> That's what you said. All the millennials, you emailed John. He said that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Lightning is still valuable. It is opinionated, but it's focused more on activities and things to get and how to get things done versus the classic style, which is very data entry heavy. Which so, turns out is a damn good way to get things done. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, come on. You, we talked about last <clears throat> week about how these companies just have this plethora of fields and information they want to dump on the screen. Well, we have to have that. We I'm, have to have this. They have to have these hundred fields because that's how we tell them this other information. I'm not making, that's not the argument I'm making. I'm not saying you should have hundreds of fields on the screen. That's data entry, man. I'm sorry. Well, data is is thick. It's heavy. Depending on your output that you want to get Salesforce through reporting got to be about and a, analytics. Salesforce got to be a $2 billion company being basically a data entry platform. Yes, and now they're transitioning to be a more useful software platform. Yeah. So anyways, my client, back to the subject at hand, um, liked the theme, liked the styling, but wanted to incorporate what Squid does best, which is, you know, that the component structure, the ability to edit and, and view things a certain way without losing the ability to kind of manipulate those pages and add things quickly. Um, so I've been incorporating a lot more. I've been taking existing components like field sets and creating lightning style components. I've been creating my own lightning style headers that, that scroll up to a certain point and shrink the highlight headers and all those kind of things. Just all those little details that, that have all taken right, so, considerable. But you're not able to use the lightning design system though, right? Well, here's the thing. You See, can I, copy things from it, right? Or make it look like it, but. So there's a couple approaches to doing that. One is, yes, write all your com- write co- entirely custom components, which Squid does allow you to do. Create your own editors so that you can drag and drop and manipulate those. Yet they're using all of the Salesforce design system, HTML markup, and stylings. That's entirely possible, and you can do that. However, that's a longer road. That's a longer path. And what I'm having to do is very quick iterations of things. So as a shortcut method, um, what I'm doing is taking existing components and restyling them to fit within that model. So the the related list card style that you have that you have in Lightning now where versus the you know the the table of records, mm-hmm. you now have this card style which has a few fields highlighted and it kind of it's everything's got to be cards now. 
it, it's a card. Um, it's a metaphor, John. What's interesting is the the design system actually has two cards. Well, actually, it has three cards, but there's two cards in particular that I that I don't see in Salesforce. One is this kind of detail view that's got the header and it's got white markup and all those kind of things. Then another one that has actually a table within it. The only one I ever see is the the actual card that has the the label and the few fields underneath it. Um, so I've I've implemented that. And I've also implemented a template version of that card using their their design system. So I basically go in and figure out what they're doing and try to modify the existing squid components to fit into that. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually almost finished. I was hoping to be finished by the time we recorded this podcast. I should be in, done by Monday to release my new blog posts on that. So I'm basically releasing some blog posts on how I did that. Okay. And... <clears throat> My caveat is that this is purely inspirational. I took a lot of shortcuts. I manipulated the markup. I used a lot of import uh, important. Yeah, it's, it's not like it's the yeah. most well engineered. It's just like if yeah. you, I, I didn't go right. in and build SAS markup or, or or you know take one of their styles and completely reengineer it or themes. I mean, and you didn't have a fifteen hundred line gulp process to right. You know, the- <laughs> I basically took the quick and easy shortcut and said, you know what, I can fit a field set in here and I can manipulate the fields and I can restyle it to look and act like lightning does. Um, so I'm a, I'm going to release that. Does and it really act that it like ins- lightning? I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, so lightning has a very specific style and. Uh, oh, that's a, that's a 10 X click right there. You okay? Yeah. It's just, I accidentally answered it. So I had to hang up on him. But it was like some, one of those. That weird- was, okay, you just doubled your 10X click because you freaking answered it on accident. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was one of those those calls that from random salespeople that I don't want to answer. Yeah. It was like some 800 number. Well, hopefully they don't listen because now they're going to know you hung up on on purpose. No, I hung up before I said that. But if they listen to the podcast. <laughs> they don't even know who I am. I'm some, oh. it's some computer program that auto dialed me and they're, they, they probably didn't even did pick up. They're waiting for me to say hello so that it can like route to a, a rep. Yeah. That's the technology of yep. today. Predictive dialing. What was I saying before I was so rudely interrupted by my own devices? <laughs> I don't know. Just squid. Oh, so anyways, I, I, I'm releasing them as kind of inspirational, not meant to be production ready. I mean, you can use them in production, but they're not, they're not bulletproof. It, if there's some it's not any worse than half the crap that Salesforce puts in production. <laughs> they just leave. I just want to talk about squid and you're taking digs uh, at Salesforce. Yeah. I'm just saying it's probably better than look at half of their setup pages or look at the thing to build a change set or anything else. I mean, like yeah. I'm sure what you built is probably quality wise much better than most of those things. So mine was a lazy, quick way of, <clears throat> of making something from squid look like lightning. And act like lightning as much as possible. Um, so I'll, I'll put those out in a blog. If anything, it'll be valuable. I have a feeling that Squid is already probably working on some of this stuff and will release some new stuff that will probably address this. That's that's me and my conjecture, but yeah, I'd, be, I'd be happy if they kind of made my work useless. But that's kind of what I've been working on. The other thing I've been working on is accessibility and um, responsiveness because Salesforce, even Lightning, isn't as responsive as it should be. The screen, if you scale and shrink it, doesn't act the way I would expect it to responsive-wise. The font scaling isn't there. I have a feeling that's because they have to support all these browsers. Well, not really. You want to talk about that? 
What were you uh, talking about earlier? We will get to that. Okay. That's actually my last topic that I want to get to. But yeah, IE11 is going to be an issue. But anyways, I have a feeling it's because they're trying to at least spread their their capabilities and their compatibility across all these other things, which is why they probably didn't go full-blown modern browser responsiveness. But I want to get there because at least with my client, I can say, make sure all users are using the most current browser because they're going to get what they want out of it. Because I'm dealing with people with different screen sizes. They're, they're dealing with small screens on laptops. They're dealing, some people have gigantic screens. Yeah. And the information needs to scale for them. It needs to be useful for them. So I'm having to deal with that. Yep. And it's become kind of my niche with these guys that, you know, I can make that happen. You're niching down. I'm niching down. <laughs> Show title. Yeah. Niching down. Niching down. So anyways, that's kind of the stuff I've been doing lately. Um, but that has nothing to do with Rockaway. Let's talk about Rockaway. Let's rock. Okay. What is Rockaway? Oh, let's rock. We're going to rock again? I don't know. We can. Yeah. Let's yeah. play clip two. I All thought right. we might use okay, it. Okay, let's do it. Rockaway the days, Rockaway the nights. Oh, drop spring, Bruce Springsteen on me. Yeah. Rock Why does he sing like his mouth is sewn shut? Like he can barely open it. Rock away. Because it's folk music. I don't know. <laughs> is that, is that a thing? Know. Open your mouth. It's his style. It's what he does. I, I know. Is this a, is that a really old song or is that a new one? It's a pretty new one, right? I don't know. It's just got Rockaway in it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I found a lot of things to say Rockaway. Right, so this is still um, Squid, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we so got to get going here. We just spent like 15 minutes talking about I know, about and your, I have so much your, lightning stuff to talk about. Well, so much. Word. You better I'll, decide I'll what you I'll paraphrase a lot okay. of it, and then we'll get to the meat of it. But anyway, so let's talk about Squid. Um, so the release actually has some really good things in it. And I don't know all the things that are going to be in it. There's um, a sign-up page for the webinar that's going to happen on May 3rd. I'll put that in the release note or in our show notes so that you can go and register because I think it's going to be really cool. Do we have like a, a reg- uh, do we have a discount code? Like a good day, sir, that they can enter to get a discount? The webinar's free, man. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> There's no discount. Maybe you get a you get an Amazon gift card or something. Oh, okay. There. No. no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> From John. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get to Rockaway, man. I'm, I'm okay. Sorry. All right, so here's one of the things I deal with on a <clears> daily basis. I'm just going to mute and you can... You can you rock go. away. Okay. Here, here's one of the things I have to deal with on a daily basis is that my stuff gets overwritten in Squid. I'm developing stuff. We're trying to collaborate on a screen because it's a very, it's a screen where a lot of us have different domain knowledge. And some of us are taking parts of the screen and, and building or transferring stuff from older pages to this page. Whether it was an, a previous Apex page or an older Squid page that we're now redesigning. So what they've added is is a collaborative environment. So now if I'm in it and you jump in, you can see that I'm in it and I can see if someone's made changes and I can see if someone's has unsaved changes. So it's actually going to solve that problem where someone else jumps into a screen. I've been in it. I haven't saved all my changes, but they save or I save and one of us is overriding the other person's changes. So at least we'll know, we'll be aware of who's in it and who's, who's not in it. And we can at least communicate and say, Hey, what are you doing? I'm making changes. Let's collaborate. What we've done today to kind of solve that is we've 
clone the pages and create it own and try to merge it in. But when you have a lot of changes, it, that starts to become an issue. Is this, are you talking about a development time thing? Yeah, when, we're, okay. when you're designing pages and you're <clears throat> building pages. If anything, at least it'll be... what well, We have a Slack channel, and so what happens is someone always pings and says, are you in this page? Because I'm about to modify uh, it. Oh, we're back to the now freaking source safe model of you, you have to check a file yeah, out exactly. and it locks it for That's everyone. That's kind of what we do. We end up kind of checking it out on Slack you know, and going, I'm about to get in this page. Hope no one's in this it. This is 2016 and the crap we're still dealing with in this <laughs> supposedly great cloud software as a, you know, development platform as a service. And we're back to checking out stuff. But we're not. With this, we'll be able to at least kind of know what's going on and who's in it. And we can, we can, we can at least manage it a little bit better. It's not this black hole yeah. anymore. Um, another interesting one is they're added, their title is connect to even more data. I don't know exactly what more means, but they at least highlighted that you'll be able to connect to other Salesforce environments. And that could be interesting, especially if you're in a sandbox environment, that's a non full sandbox. My vision is that I'll be able to create a model, connect it to production and be able to test my screen using production data from my sandbox. At least that's my planned <laughs> high-in-the-sky usage for that type of technology. Um, for other companies that actually have multiple Salesforce environments, they could probably leverage that for other uses. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, I think I might try to use it for that. Um, another thing that I've been battling with and trying to override myself on my own is the accessibility. So not everything in Squid was kind of keyboard-enabled or had some kind of hotkey or, or, or some way to actually kind of manipulate it without having to use the pointer. Um, even though I myself have introduced a bunch of stuff that requires a mouse. Um, but in this next release, they've actually introduced a lot more accessibility stuff. So they'll, they'll be incorporating more keyboard interaction and things like that. And this last one, I really want to know more about before I get too excited. And I'm going to read the paragraph because I don't know any other way to say it, but it says, now it's easy to use Squid alongside your team's other development tools by utilizing Squid's new Page XML API. And I'm really not sure what that is, but it says this new API allows you to push and pull Squid pages and metadata through your own scripts to a variety of systems, including Git, Subversion, and Grunt. It's a great tool for version control and automated, automated deployments. And that's kind well, it's of... certainly got every buzzword in there. That's all. If that is what it says it is, that solves a lot of gaps that we have. One, it solves the fact that it's outside of all my development tools, so I can't put it in Git and I can't version all my changes. If this API works the way I think it is, I'll be able to do that. Look at how this is going to work. <laughs> the other thing is the kind of deployment process for me has always been kind of copy, open up the XML of my page, copy it, go into production, open up its XML version and paste it in and save it. Oh, I'm almost, I'm like holding back the vomit and you talk about this. <laughs> So this says that we'll be able to do automated deployments using this API. So hopefully um, it'll just be a command line argument away for me to deploy my stuff into production. Just a shame that all this stuff is just, it, it's so different than how you would deploy any other normal system. Meaning? I mean, like uh, meaning how you would deploy a .NET or a Java or any any. Any other kind of app, you know, you, all those tools and all that, the, the. Yeah, but it's, it's the world we live in now. It's the, I mean, back then you had servers, you had these, and, and these are things that have been solved well, over time. And the thing is, because we're not deploying systems, we're deploying like a configuration or something of a system where you're basically deploying data actually is what you're doing. 
Yeah, but in the in those other environments, we had control or at least a certain level of access to the root of the system. You know, we could re- we could entirely replace the entire <coughs> code base of production with yes. with a single command. Right. Whereas and, in this cloud environment, we can't. Well, think about it. When you deploy Salesforce metadata or whatever, you, you're actually you're just changing data in Salesforce's system. Right. That's just data. Right. It's all metadata. Yeah, your metadata is their data. Right. <laughs> you're just you're just pushing data around, but you're not yeah, you're not really deploying a system. Yeah, you're so, basically doing mini migrate data migrations yeah. every time you do a deployment. Right. Uh, and, but that's that's cloud. I mean that, that seems is, to be synonymous well, that's, with, that's, with cloud that's and the lack a, of No, that's software as a service. Right. That's software as a service. You know, we're really not building systems here. I mean, as much as, you know Well, we're not building tr- uh, see I feel like when you say that you're you're saying that, that we're not doing it the right way or we're not doing it the way we've always done it. But to me, I think that it's it's a whole new entire entire technology stack, a whole new world, and it's 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 kind of I'm, I don't want to say it's in its infancy, but maybe it's in its toddler phase. And all the tooling and everything that we have now for all those previous legacy I don't they're not really legacy, but all those other types of application environments we don't have for this new environment, and we're we're kind of trying to catch up. Yeah, and we're slowly building tools to help us get there. I don't think anything has, has anything to do with cloud. I mean, I I can remember guys, you know, fifteen years ago that were doing like SAP, you know, heavy SAP customization. They were, you know, writing what was it a ABAP or ABAP or whatever the language was called. I'm sure that was a just a disaster too, with crappy tools and probably a mm. crappy language and crappy deployment process. It probably, I mean, I'm just assuming, but I I would I I'd, I'd bet money that it was bad too. Or still is. I don't think that's changed. <clears throat> it probably hasn't. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you're basically when when you sign on to these cloud platforms, you you have to live within their environment. You have to live within their constraints, and and the tools. The best we can do is work around it up to the point where we have to interact with them. Yeah. Uh, and I th- I think Squid is is making you know strides towards that that level, and is at least trying to. Well, solve yeah, some of those yeah, issues. Yeah, I mean, and look at Squid. I mean, so so Salesforce is built on all these good tools and technologies, right? And then they expose a certain other set of tools and APIs and things for us to, to push our data around in, which is metadata, right? right? Squid's on top of that. Right. And now you're building on top of that. Right. I mean, this is, you know, this is <laughs> quite a chain of abstractions here. It, it's a delicious layered cake. Ooh. <laughs> You make it sound, you and Mark Benioff make it sound so good. It is. Isn't it? It's delicious. <laughs> Just come have some of this cake. Uh, uh, yeah. Come eat my pie. <laughs> <clears throat> my, my, my Salesforce pie was squid icing. Salesforce pie. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we'll watch the webinar. We'll see what more comes of that. I'll, I'll continue to, to release updates as I get them, and hopefully we'll get to try it out soon, and we'll see what the what other little nuggets are in there. Um, but but from what's listed in this blog post, I'm I'm pretty excited. Pie, about. cake, nuggets. It's, I think I'm hungry. <laughs> I think you are. I shouldn't be. I had a big lunch. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sometimes sometimes what makes you hungry is just when you eat a lot. Like you're hungry, yeah. you get hungry again. What's up with that? That's weird. I don't even like cake. I don't either. I hate cake. Well, some of it's good, but I mean I'll eat it, but it's not like my go-to cookies. Expensive cakes are good. The cookie. cheap cakes. Nah. Cookies. Yeah, cookies. All the are, way cookies. Yeah. I, I'm a cookie monster. I'm right there with you. There's some milk and some cookies. I'll be happy. All right. Back on topic. Back on track. What's next? 
Are we done with Squid? Uh, yeah, we'll move on from All Squid. Right. We'll talk about Lightning. Um, there's a few things I'm going to skip. We're at the hour 15 mark. We shouldn't, probably shouldn't be starting anything, but let's. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to highlight these. I'm not going to talk about them. Okay. <clears throat> lightning round, John. <laughs> we have a, do we have a. <laughs> we used to have, did we have a thing for that? Uh, a lightning round? I don't think we uh, did. We have Salesforce like, one lightning round. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so in my digging into the lightning design system, it is a. GitHub. I'm gonna give you some music. This is a lightning round. It is available on GitHub. You can <laughs> use it. You can use it to design custom interfaces both for your applications and for your Visual Force pages and Salesforce. There's packages and things you can install. There's also they put thought into the deprecation of styling and everything that you should you should make note of. There's an article on it. I'll put that in the show notes. They're actually using SAS and they're using SAS's capability to annotate something as deprecated. It'll give you warnings in your SAS compiling. That's one. Okay. There is a new lightning inspector available and that what that'll do is it'll actually it's a plugin it'll actually show up in your inspection tabs i don't know what to your developer console in your browser it'll show up as a tab as an inspector and it'll show you how everything is is actually executing the time it takes to execute and the responses and the size of those messages so it's basically what used to be the view state that you used to use yeah now this will, will take we replace that what is this in the developer console it's not in the developer console. It actually shows up in my inspection window for the browser. I think it's a plugin you have to install. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact, I did install it and I did use it and I did see it and it actually enlightens you quite a bit on what happens on these lightning pages and you might be shocked. I, well, I haven't checked in a while, but I remember, um, I don't know, maybe six months ago, I switched to lightning and did a performance comparison time-wise, download time, everything, and lightning was terrible. It is very slow, and if you look at the inspector, you'll see why. And it makes it, and it even furthers the point that we talked about earlier when Squid was announced that you're still going to have to be a very good, solid developer to to think about performance. You can't just consume all the resources on your component. Yeah. You have to think about your just environment. Hire more developers, throw them at the problem. You'll you'll get there eventually. Okay. You have to be good. Be good to others. Uh, Lightning UI theme. How do you know if someone's in the Lightning UI theme? It's a bit more complicated than it used to be. You used to be able to use the annotation of UI theme. Now there's an extra annotation or merge field or method um, called UI theme displayed. So you can see what theme the user is assigned to and you can see what theme they're actually using. And that is available because... This is an Apex or something? Or this is an Apex and in Visual Force merge fields. Okay. And this is to allow you to kind of see what theme you should be responding to. And so now, now I'm going to have switch statements in my code for depending... Well, if you're going that route. If you're going the route of, I need to know which theme so I can display my UI a certain way. Yeah. Um, not everyone's doing that, but if you're that type of person that needs to do that or you have some kind of requirement that does that, this is how you're going to do it. And the reason it is this way is because the context switches depending on what screen you're looking at. Some screens are enabled for, for lightning and you're getting the lightning experience and that's what the user is set up for, but some things are not. So they get switched back to classic, even though their primary theme is lightning. Um, so this is, the, this is their, extra, their way of, of giving you that additional information to say, this is what they should be viewing, but right now they're in the classic view. Yeah. So now you can do that. And that's the end of my lightning round. <laughs> I need something to drink. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Spill it. Hey, I'm thirsty. <laughs> that was a lot <laughs> to talk about.
All right, Jeremy. My last topic. Oh this, my one, this one's a doozy. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to talk about this with you because I think you'll get pretty passionate about it. Okay. Have you heard of the Salesforce Lightning Locker Service? Nope. You have not. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you want, am I going to need some of that? Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> just, just drink straight from the bottle. Oh man. I don't know if I have the energy for this at this point, John. Okay. So we we've talked about Lightning components and how they're actually a widget on the page. They're not iframes, which means, you know, all of the Ajax calls and all those things you're doing to kind of load up your, your object are consuming all these resources. But that also causes another problem, security. Yes. Because it's all on the same page. That means you can access another oh, component. Just, as API. with Internet of Things, just don't worry about security, John. <laughs> Someone, that'll be handled up further down the stack or something. <laughs> now, you as a developer, you can isolate your function, your method calls by using the JavaScript. Uh, there's actually two patterns. You can use the namespace pattern or you can use the crap sandboxing pattern. And so what that is, is you basically isolate your code inside a function that's assigned to a named variable in JavaScript. And within that, you have a series of methods. And depending on how you annotate, but structure those methods, they'll either be exposed through that variable as a quote unquote public method, or they'll be private, which means only the internal methods can access those. Right, right. It's kind it's of like the, a module pattern, basically. It's similar. They're it, similar. It, it is. Self-executing but, function. But because JavaScript is JavaScript, you know, we have to kind of create these really weird prototypal abstractions. Yeah. And it's one of those things that uh, it wasn't, <laughs> I think that wasn't even really designed into JavaScript. It's just over time people have discovered yeah, that. Yeah, it was one of those problems. things that yep. like, you figured it out. You're it's like, like, hey, it turns out if you define a function that executes itself, you can run all this code. It's so weird. And it creates its own it's little a, world. It's an anonymous function that's passed to a variable that inside of it has functions. Yeah. And it, it's just this weird chain of yeah. events that it's kind of hard to grasp, put your brain around. Even today, I can't. But um, so, so we depend on people to do that correctly in order for some, to have some kind of security? Yeah, well, Salesforce isn't going to stop there. Well, uh, no, of course, of course not. <laughs> so you are getting a namespace. A JavaScript namespace? A single JavaScript namespace. However, okay. um, in digging and doing more research, I'll talk about that in a little, little bit. There's hope that we might get multiple namespaces or nested namespacing for these JavaScript components. And here's the part where I think you might get a little uh, queasy about. They're actually in this mode. Once you turn this mode on, which is locker service mode, you will not have access to the original, real, I'm doing air quotes here, Keep real DOM which means you won't have access to the real window object. You won't have access, access to the real document object. They are overriding those so that they can lock your component into a namespace. So that means that if something is only in another sell, namespace... Only Salesforce would come up with this <laughs> mess. If a component is, say, UI something and your namespace is C something, those are two separate namespaces and you won't be able to see the HTML markup for that UI element because it's in a different namespace. So you'll basically only be able to see what's inside your, your namespace. Yeah. There are certain exceptions to Salesforce global, lightning global components and APIs that you will have access to. Uh, but essentially they're putting this, this proxy layer in between you and the actual DOM 
to isolate your your components I mean, from everyone else's components. What's the problem here? What is, what's the potential issue? So let's say I've got a component that I wrote on the screen and also a component that you know someone else wrote on the screen. It's, They're both logged into my Salesforce account. They both have access to anything I have access to. N- no, because components are not only pulling information from Salesforce. They could be pulling information from remote services. So potentially okay. you could you could see the information That's that not someone new, else... A Visual Force page could do that. Right, I know, but this this is a this is a new world where components are widgets and they're not iframes, whereas yeah. they are today. And you can use iframe sandboxing so to control security. Salesforce relied on that cross origin, right? Or, or not? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Cross origin and, policy. And this article did also confirm that these widgets, these components we're building, are not iframes, which means they're not using iframe sandboxing. That's so good. they had to create this whole new layer of sandboxing your components which basically means they're abstracting your access to the window and document and basically the dom yeah uh, and th- that prevents you from from reaching into you know maybe you're a i don't know maybe you're some widget that displays the weather and maybe you have some malicious code in there that's going to go and inspect and look for someone's financial or customer data and all you have to do is inspect the html grab it and pull it in and submit it somewhere and no one ha- no one knows I mean, I mean, those are the kind of security flaws that if someone wanted to be malicious, blah, 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 that would do that. Now, here's the other thing about it. Because they have this feature, and if you're enabling that feature in your components for AppExchange, mm-hmm. it's supposed to make the review process quicker for you because you're using this, this technology and you're conscious of it and it's supposedly safer yeah. because you're sandboxing. Yep. I mean, similar to app, what Apple does with their sandboxing. Um, so, I mean, there, there's reasons to... To buy into it, yeah. Have um, you have you um, checked out any of the stuff that Matt Morris has been doing? He's been doing some videos, and I've, I've watched a couple of them on just he's just been experimenting and playing around with all kinds of different lightning stuff, stuff from third parties, and mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, technology flows. Technology flows. Yeah, go check it out. Did we get a ching for that? I don't. I don't know. That's a free podcast. Yeah, it's a free. Uh, that's true. Free he's, he's a not-for-profit. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, that ties back into what we were talking about earlier. And Salesforce recently announced that IE11 was not going to be supported, even though today it is supported for the Lightning experience. After I think Windows 16, it's not going to be supported. Meaning, if you're in IE11, you're going to get pushed into the classic interface. And I actually think this locker service is the reason. I think there's some. Because they, they, they state, um, let's see, where do they state that? Uh, these improvements depend, or say, with Summer 16, the Lightning platform adds a new advanced and flexible security architecture. These improvements depend on a number of security standards that are built into modern browsers. Unfortunately, IE11 does not support what are these those standards? standards. It doesn't say. But my suspicion is that all Thanks. of these new Lightning-specific <clears throat> locker service, namespace isolation stuff, isn't isn't available or implementable in I'm, IE11? I'm trying to think if there's something in like ES2015 that they would be. Using. I tried. I searched everywhere to see what pattern they were using, what 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 maybe browser security or, or W3C yeah, technology. Right. I couldn't find anything. Um, at most, I found a lot on sandboxing, namespacing, all those kind of things, but I couldn't find anything specific. Oh, iframe sandboxing. Who's, who's the uh, Lightning component? Product manager at Salesforce. I'm not sure. But that, that'd be a great next step. Yeah. 
Um, so anyways, uh, my suspicion is the reason IE11 is falling out of support is because of this technology, is the, the ability to kind of create this namespacing and override the window and document objects. Yet, yet, another, yet another chapter in the book called Lightning is Drawing Lines in the Sand for You that you're going to have to keep crossing, right? Yeah. Well, you'll have your namespace. You get, you uh, that, get that's not that's not a namespace. namespace. That's a sandbox. Yeah, it's a namespace. No, it's not a namespace. It's a name sandbox. Can I can I create arbitrary namespaces and well, nest them? So Bob Buzzard. <laughs> we all know Bob Buzzard, yeah. right? K- uh, Kieran, what's his name? We met him. I know him as Bob Buzzard. <laughs> God, John, he's really. <laughs> I'm horrible with names. So he was concerned because of the way he's using Lightning components. So he's actually kind of created this Kier. Kier. Bowden. Okay. So he was concerned. He was actually one of the first commenters on this blog post that that talked about this. And he he was concerned that the way he's actually using Lightning components, he's actually kind of subclassing some of the routines so that he can implement his own, I don't know if it's layout or logic that he's that he's implementing on, yeah. on top of it. It's almost like a inheritance layer that the namespacing isolation would cause issues with that. Um, and I think they admitted, um, because they actually responded to him, he actually posted it on the blog post, but then he also posted it on the Stack Exchange. Stack? Yeah. Um, and he had a response, I think, from one of the project managers that product managers that said, that's a valid design pattern that we probably should solve for, but it's not something that it can do today. And his concern was that there's actually a method, a, pub, a method that is undocumented, but used to be documented, that was available that actually made this happen possible yeah and what what the product manager said is that yeah we've been working on our documentation and it was actually incorrectly marked as something that was platform available meaning that you know whatever annotations they use to say yes this is documentable because it matter whether it's platform available because people have been again we've been doing url hacks and all this all these other kinds of things you have to do with salesforce if you actually want to build anything yeah but i mean if you use one of those undocumented methods it's it's buyer beware they always take it away john salesforce has always been buyer beware when it comes to building things but if you're trying if you're trying to build an application that goes on the app exchange you can't just say apps get through the app exchange that have all kinds of these undocumented hacks yeah but you gotta you gotta accept the fact that it's gonna change you're gonna have have an issue with all your customers that say all of a sudden this broke and i can't use it and you're gonna have to deal with that it's called being a salesforce isv Yes, it is. That, no, that's, that's the business you're in. It is if you choose to leverage those features that are undocumented. Uh, my, what I'm saying is you have to. There's so, many, there's so many cases where you just have to do it. And that may be, and you have to accept that risk. It's, it's risk versus reward. Yeah. So, but, but in this case, I mean, it was something that he thought it was, docu- that was documented, it was, and right? he thought it was yeah. something he should, should and could be using. Uh, it turns out they removed it from the documentation because they found it as something that wasn't supposed to be exposed. Yeah. Um, or they just realized that there was no way they were going to be able to go forward. So guaranteeing that was going to be available, a, a way to do things or something that's available. Yeah. The explanation that was given I mean, was they, something. They was, pulled stuff back before. Yeah. That was available. It, it's possible. The explanation they gave was, was more, you know, mm-hmm. it was something that wasn't ever supposed to be exposed, but you know, whatever. I mean, it's an accidental exposure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just flashed you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oops. Sorry about that Didn't flash. Mean that. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't mean to do that. It's the Tourette. Sorry. <laughs> uh so but but that led to to at least them considering that hey that you know that's a pattern that we don't solve for today that we probably should provide some kind of interface for it's 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 still it's a fast moving space right now lightning yeah it is um another another 
user on the comment feed, Kristoff. I don't know his full name. No, he was in uh, Frozen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, he wanted more details, and he actually had a few questions in here. He goes, how is it working technically to separate the window and document from the rest? If we are not working in an iframe, do you really overwrite the window and document o- object? I think the answer to that is yes, but it's a good question. Um, what could possibly go wrong over many, overriding the window and document? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure nothing directly depends on those. Yeah. Another question is, what does it mean approved by security regarding the use of third-party library reviewed by Salesforce, simply approved? So the issue is whether or not this will interact with um, third-party libraries like React or Angular and things like that you might be implementing in your components. Salesforce says that it shouldn't, that you should be able to use everything the way you normally would. It's just isolated. Like you, you shouldn't have to change anything. If you write, if you wrote components today, you know that weren't using undocumented features, you should be able to use those, and you won't notice a difference. Yeah. Pause. <laughs> no, let's just wrap it up. No. Why? I gotta get out of here. It's five o'clock. Ah. Too much. Too much tea. Um. So that's it. Uh, I had another news item, but I'll and save that for got next it. week. Yeah, I've held mine. We gotta hold yours, and you, <laughs> you can't hold it much longer, apparently. <laughs> And to that, I say, good day, sir. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir.